your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar, who's up in Collingwood. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Tough news to wake up to this morning. Timmy Superstar is out, and it's not short term. We'll tell you how long and where that timeline will take him to, but one thing we can say for sure is that Alex Petrangelo has made the Vegas Golden Knights a complete wagon. But enough about what goes on out west. Erica Branson came from west to east, and we needed a more particular look of what he can expect to bring to the Sens lineup. That's why we got Jason Hernandez from Locked On Ducks. He'll give us the lowdown of what he saw from Branson in his 44 games with the Ducks. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, October 13th, and Pilsy, not great news to wake up to when it comes to the third overall pick, Timmy Stutzla. You know what this made me think of, Ross? This is a dangerous time for uh, Ottawa Senators players. Remember we had Will Linen with that uh, really bad injury in the start of training camp, then Pajot, and now Stutzla. Yeah. Right around this time of year, well, at least one key Ottawa Senators player is getting a major injury. And yeah, like you said, Timmy Stutzla broke something in his arm on ice during practice. That's going to put him out six to eight weeks. His surgery, his operation is set to be uh, two days from now on Thursday. So hopefully we'll hear that that went well and that the six to eight week timeline will start then. Yeah, you know the Locked On Senators podcast, your daily home for Sens content. We'll be sure to bring you the news right when we get it at Twitter, at Sens Central. You can find us there as well. And when it comes to Timmy Stutzla, of course, there's going to be some concern when a player of that magnitude becomes injured. But let's let's put it in perspective here. He's an 18, 19-year-old kid, and broken bones, they heal. It's almost better than a sprain, like a high ankle sprain, that sort of thing. I think it is better, yeah. Definitely, because you let it heal six to eight weeks. It looks like he'll resume training in mid to late November. And then the main timeline here, you look at the DEL season starting in mid-December, but – Timmy Stutzel is already the captain of the under-20 team for Germany. He will be at the World Juniors, and everybody is heading into the bubble on December 13th. But Pilsy, that doesn't mean he has to be ready because there's a two-week quarantine, and the actual tournament, as always, will begin on Boxing Day. What is your confidence level out of 100 that Tim Stutzla will be in Germany's lineup for Game 1 of the World Juniors? 85%, I would say. Pretty high. I mean, unless he does something to re-injure that arm or gets injured training or, or something like that, I think it's pretty likely that he's going to be playing in late December. If you look at his timeline, in a weird way, COVID has actually helped this situation because the DEL starting later. Like you said, he's going to have to quarantine for two weeks. So he's getting a little extra cushion of time where he's going to be injured but not missing any games, which is so clutch for your third overall pick, not to lose any development opportunities. The only development opportunities he will miss is getting to practice with men as he has been doing for the past year and a half. And 
Of course, it's not going to be perfect, but I think if there's a time to have a major injury and a surgery, can't really think of a better time than now. Like Quentin Byfield hasn't played in so much time, right? And and yeah, sure, he'll get the extra training time, but uh, we're wishing Timmy Stutzla well and, and a successful surgery and hopefully comes out an even better hockey player on the other side. Good news there as well is that being an arm injury, you got to think that while the cast is still on, he'll be skating of some sort, maybe in a tracksuit, that sort of thing. Not right away, but you got to think that it's better than having a broken foot or a, or a sprain of, of that sort. So as we mentioned, wishing him best. We'll be the first to let you know once the surgery is successful and any other information we find out. But while Timmy Stutzla is waiting to play, the Finnish league is underway. And Robbie Jarventi, are we seeing Shane Pinto 2.0 here, Pilsy? Maybe a little bit, and it's it's a similar scenario. I think that's what I likened it uh, to the draft pick, at least. Everybody had all these guys ready to be picked, and they fell all the way to the Sens, and then the Sens went off the board and selected a guy they thought had more talent, and then the teams right after them scooped those guys up. So Robbie Yarventi making the Sens look good here, wearing that golden helmet. I think that's got to be one of the coolest things in sports. Like, getting to walk out with your team and, and uh, to start the game out and you've got the golden helmet on, that's got to feel good. Robbie Yarventi, four points in four games. He has been awesome. And I mean, a couple of them are secondary assists. Let's not kid ourselves. He's Looks not going, the same on the stat sheet. Not going end to end or anything at this point, but he is getting power play time on the first unit with Elvis. And in, in his situation as a teenager, that's pretty impressive, No. Look, Robbie Yarventy, he's an offensive upside guy. Put him on the power play and he's going to produce. He still has a lot of work to do on his skating and his play away from the puck. But once he's on that man advantage, he's going to be one of your top point producers and he's going to be a guy that that power play is going to run through. Ilvis also has Lassie Thompson as a power play option. He's still held pointless, however. Their next game is October 16th. We still don't know, speaking of Liga, when Vitaly Abramov will make his debut. He seems like the quarantine period must be close to ending. I want to say it was October 1st that he started it. So I'm interested to see when he'll be in the lineup because Jukurit will be playing their next game on October 15th. So we'll keep track of that for you as well. We can tell you that Philly franchise has gone off to a great start with his experience overseas. Now, albeit it's not the Swedish Hockey League. He's in the second tier of players. So you're hoping that he does great. Well, he had a 30-save shutout. He's 1-1, one one, 51 saves on 54 shots. So all good news there. And how sharp did he look with that all red setup with the, I guess, mismatched jersey? Yeah, definitely didn't uh, didn't coordinate the colors there, but that's okay because he's he knows he's coming back to Belleville and those red pads are going to look great down in Belleville. And uh, yeah, Philip Gustafson, sure, maybe he's not playing in the, the level of competition you want him to, but I think it's important, more important for him to get him on a plain level field, good competition, and have him build some confidence. I want him coming back to Belleville being like, I'm going to be the guy this year. And if he can build up some confidence and keep getting shutouts like that, that's going to do wonders for him coming into uh, next season in the AHL. Yeah, despite being a pro for almost three years now, right? He was in the SHL before coming over to Belleville where he spent the last two seasons. You look at Joey Decord, he's, despite only being a pro for just over a year, he does have three years in age on Gus. So Gus is fighting a bit of an uphill battle there. If he can show his confidence, we've said this on the show before, goalie-friendly show, but you have to make saves in the first two minutes to set the tone. And 
that was far too often the downfall of Gustafson because he would he would show that shakiness early in a game and then the whole team kind of would would lose and and then they start collapsing in the D zone they're not confident that he can make the next save so anything to get Philly's confidence up we love to see here on the pod so continued success for Philly and also man seventh rounders they don't always pan out but we got our eye on Max Gwinnett we mentioned how he got off to a good start points in back-to-back games he has three points in four games to start the Q season with Val Dor. And there's been lots of postponements. Val Dor has not been a part of them yet. Philip Daoust also in the Q. No points in his first three games. He's back in action on the 16th. And Pilsy, we're still waiting on Erica, Br- uh, Erica Branson. We're going to get to Goody later in the show. But uh, Eric Brandstrom, any idea when he's going to make his debut with the SCL Tigers? He's going to be playing soon. Uh, his team's already played two games, I think. Uh, he's over there. He's ready to go. I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure what the quarantine levels are like there, but I think he's going to be playing soon. So expect to see Brandstrom suiting up for the Tigers within the next week or so, I would say. Can't wait to see him back on the ice. That's been the roundup of all things Senators, of the players who are able to play at this point. We're still anxiously awaiting November 20th when not one, not two, not three, but four Sens prospects, a.k.a. the North Dakota Fighting Senators, will be back into their bubble and really get this season kicked off. All right, we got plenty more to get to, including some big moves around the National Hockey League. But before we get to that, we got to tell you about our friends at Rock Auto. RockAuto.com, it's a family business. They serve auto parts to customers online, and they've been doing it for 20 years years go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers they have everything from engine control modules brake parts tail lamps motor oil even new carpet whether it's for your classic or daily drive get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door the rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands specifications and prices you prefer best of all prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers why spend up to twice as much for the same parts go to rockauto.com right now right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck all we ask is that you put locked on in their how did you hear about us box that way they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need visit rockauto.com we love built bar here in the locked on senators podcast you guys know that but have you tried their new product built go you gotta try this we got a shipment in uh last couple weeks and i've tried all three flavors my favorite flavor so far chocolate coconut it's so delicious but what is built go it's a five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for your body. It's easy to take in one-and-a-half-ounce packages. Put it in your briefcase for work. Put it in your golf bag to power through the back nine. Or just put it right in your pocket for any sort, any sort of occasion. They're that small, and uh, you can bring them anywhere. Add it to your protein shake. Drizzle it over apple slices. That's what I did. So good. Mix it in with your oatmeal or just eat it right from the pouch. How does Built Go work so well? Built Go combines energy gel with a collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into your system fast. Plus, it's easy on the stomach. It's loaded with good stuff to ignite your work. Built Go kicks in to keep me going strong. B6, B12, 
The collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair and skin health. This stuff literally makes you look better. What else could you want? Visit BuiltGo and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. That is a huge deal from BuiltGo. You love to hear that. Speaking of huge deals, Alex Petrangelo watch is over. The captain. And we're starting to see a theme because let's be honest, Mark Stone, that's captain. Then they already went out. They got Max Pacioretty and now Alex Petrangelo. Talk about building a contender in short time. Seven years, an average of $8.8 million per season against the cap. Your initial thoughts on that deal? I think this, this didn't come as a surprise to anyone. We knew Las Vegas was looking for that number one elite defenseman on the right side to help Shea Theodore bear the load a little. He had to do a lot of the heavy lifting in the playoffs. He led the team in points, actually, in the playoffs. But Petro going to Vegas this is such an amazing fit for both parties. Like He gets an incredible deal, 8.8 for seven years, in a flat cap era and he still gets paid what he wanted to. I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the captaincy here. Like you said, Petro coming in, Stone's already there. Stone's my pick personally, but I don't think you can go wrong either direction there. It's just kind of strange when you have a guy come in and get to see right away. I think he wears an A as well. Mark Stone is just the emotional heartbeat of the team, and I think that he would be the perfect choice for captain. But, man, the writing was on the wall in St. Louis once they turned and, and made their selection of in free agency and Tory Krug comes over, a left shot versus right shot. Some would say the writing was on the wall when they acquired a right shot D-man and locked him up for seven years in Justin Falk. That's what I was going to say. It sounded like they were still willing to make things work. Imagine that right side. And it was reality for a season of Petrangelo Colton Pareko, and Justin Falk. So a little bit less for St. Louis on the right side, but they evened it out by getting Tory Krug. They said they fell short on term. Who would you rather see get a seven-year contract if you're St. Louis? Tory Krug at a little bit lower of an AAV, or would you have but, uh, ponied up and, and signed your captain to that seven-year term? I, I think they should have ponied up inside the captain. Like he did, he was such a big deal. He's been there since day one. He's the captain that brought the cup to the city for the first time ever. And it's it's tough moving on from him. I think Tory Krug's a nice replacement, but it doesn't quite add up to the skills that Petro brings to your team. It does kind of show that it's not only Sens fans who have to deal with stars leaving. And that, like, what a situation that St. Louis was in. And still, the captain leaves. So it's not a problem, although it does happen pretty often in our nation's capital. It is not something that the rest of the league is immune to. It's a huge move, both sides. But to do that, Vegas had to move some money. And wow, Vancouver got themselves a number two defenseman. I think I'm confident in saying that Nate Schmidt brings that level of play. And they only had to give up a third-round pick. If you're a Sens fan, you're seeing that. Would you be like, oh, man, we could have done that and gotten H. Schmidt? Well, I think that's what every single Sens fan does when every move is done. Like, what didn't Dorian do that? Well, the options aren't always available for every team to make every move, unfortunately. And if I'm the Ottawa Senators... Sure, a third-round pick is hardly any value to get a guy like Nate Schmidt, but he's locked up for, I think, five more years at $5.9 million, and he's already 29 years old. I don't think you need a defenseman locked up well into their 30s when you have the decor like the Ottawa Senators do. And I think this is part of their strategy. The reason they're not 
spending big money and making big splashes in free agency is they're just trying to get short-term deals to help shelter these young players. And that's where the value is going to come. You're going to hopefully lock up your drafted and developed prospects and build your team that way. That's why the centers have so many goddamn picks in last draft. And uh, even this next draft, they got three second round picks. So they're building from within. I don't think any team has really won a Stanley Cup based on the moves they do in free agency. No, but it is definitely worth noting as well. Yeah, 29 years old, signed for five more years, $5.95 million against the cap. So credit to Vancouver. They needed that because they had lost a bunch of pieces. And another piece that they had lost, Tyler Toffoli, who was on our short list of players we would have liked to have seen brought in to the Ottawa Senators. He signs a four-year ticket. What was the AAV on that? 4.8? Four 4.4? 4.25. Wow. Okay, so is that a basis that you would like to see for Ottawa to have, or a template, I should say, for Connor Brown's next contract? Well, I would say if you're Connor Brown and you're looking at that Toffoli deal and you get, if you get pretty much four by four or close to that, you got to be laughing because I think Tyler Toffoli has a lot more to show uh, in his resume than Connor Brown does right now. Not saying they're worlds away different players, but I would I would take Tyler Toffoli's goal-scoring ability and his uh, Stanley Cup playoff experience and the fact that he just had a really good showing in Vancouver. I'm more shocked that Vancouver wasn't able to move one of their bad contracts, their bottom six, three guys like Beagle, Roussel, and Erickson making so much money, $12 million between the three of them. You weren't able to move one of those contracts to squeeze Tyler Toffoli, a guy who had amazing chemistry on your team and could grow and develop with your players? That's a head-scratcher for me. So I'm turning this around into the Connor Brown debate and using this as the the setup for it because there's no way Connor Brown can ask for more than Tyler Toffoli, no. can he? Especially no. being an RFA where Toffoli is a UFA. Toffoli has a 31-goal season under his belt. He has two Stanley Cups under his belt. He's been a proven playoff performer as well. 14 points in uh, 26 games when they won the Cup. And my apologies, a one-time Cup champ. He wasn't quite there in 2012 but as a 21 year old he wins the cup he has that great playoff seven goals seven assists so if you're Connor Brown you look at that and you say hey the only way that I can make that on AAV is if I add a couple years no because Connor Brown is two years younger than Toffoli let's say Connor Brown really wants that AAV 4.25 would you give him that over a six-year term instead of four like Toffoli signed yeah I think I would and the thing with Connor Brown is you're not banking on him. The With Tyler Toffoli, you're banking on him scoring at least 20 goals a season. And he's a streaky goal scorer. He might not do it all the time. Or if it's not the right fit, he's not matched up with the right players, it, it might not work. And he's not going to put up those points with you. And then you're looking, what else does he do for my team? Connor Brown isn't dependent on just scoring goals like Toffoli is. He can do so much in other areas of the ice. He can play up and down the lineup. He's only 26 years old. I think... In my eyes, if you're the Senators, you focus on term here. Whatever AAV Connor Brown is asking for, you, you can be within that range, very like give or take half a million or whatever it is, and give him the term and lock him up for a long time because DJ Smith loves Connor Brown and so do the Ottawa Senators fans. Fun fact, Connor Brown had one less point than Tyler Toffoli this past NHL season, although you mentioned more assists, a few less goals than to Foley. Okay, so that was the big acquisition last July 1st or last opening of free agency. Ottawa acquiring Connor Brown for Cody Ceci, who still, shockingly, remains unsigned 
Talk about anxious to see Duclair's deal. I'm just as anxious to see Cody Cece's deal. One thing we know from this first weekend of free agency is Eric Branson is now an Ottawa Senator and is the third highest paid defenseman on the team. So you know he's going to get a good opportunity, almost as good of an opportunity as he got in Anaheim when he came over from Pittsburgh last year. So we thought it would be great to have the host of Locked On Ducks, Jason Hernandez, join us to find out what he thought of Gabranson when the trade was made to get him and then ultimately how he endeared himself to Anaheim fans. So hopefully this gets you some insight onto what Eric Branson has brought recently to the NHL. Stop focusing on the Vancouver years, three, four, five, six years down in the past. Let's focus on what Branson brings to the present. So here's our chat with Locked On Ducks host, Jason Hernandez. Jason, I want to start off, and we're happy to have you here breaking it down because Let's be honest, Eric Branson left a bad taste in Vancouver Canucks fans' <laughs> mouths for his three years there, but he only played 44 games in Anaheim. He was a midseason acquisition coming over for Pittsburgh. I want to start with what your initial reaction was when you found out Eric Branson was coming to Anaheim. What did you know about him already? I knew that he was a tough-nosed competitor. I knew that he'd gotten a plethora of penalty minutes and will get down to the dirty areas whenever possible, which is what the Ducks were lacking severely <laughs> That was your uh, initial reaction when he was traded to Anaheim. So then you got to see him for 44 games. What was your feel on him as you got to see him more? And he had quite a bit, big role on that Anaheim decor, right? He was averaging like 20 minutes a night, no? Uh, at times he was going about 24, 25 minutes a night just because of injuries. Fowler was hurt at some point. Lindholm was hurt for a while during the season. So the Ducks defensive core was depleted very much. And then he had good Branson getting hurt. He endeared himself to the fan base right away because of one horrible incident that took place in Washington. Maybe the first 10 games, no, maybe the first five games he was in Anaheim where he got spit on by Garnet Hathaway, who's public enemy number one around here. Once he spit on Eric Goodbranson and didn't get a more severe penalty, Ducks fans were behind Eric Goodbranson all the way, as well as most of hockey because you know how player safety is these days. Right. Well, yeah, and that's beyond player safety. That's just gross. But how did Gabranson react? That's a play that I don't quite remember. So I'm assuming that as a bigger guy, he was uh, quick to drop the gloves, or how did that play unfold? The first game that Garnet Hathaway came back happened to be at the Ponda in Anaheim. Gee, great how that turned out, didn't it? And what happened? Well, Eric Branson got revenge and pummeled Garnet Hathaway to the ice at Honda Center. That's what really endeared him to the fans. So for that reason, he was just beloved in his short time here in Anaheim, was getting spit on, getting back at him the right way and just knocking him out. We know that he's going to stand up for himself. He's a big boy, 6'5", 220. But was he the kind of guy where you noticed when maybe the Anaheim younger forwards were, like let's say Troy Terry was getting into his scrum, was he the first guy in there to back him up? Oh, absolutely. Good Branson would stick up for all the young guys since Anaheim was a younger team. And you're right, Troy Terry does not know how to fight. Sonny Milano does not know how to fight. There's a lot of these younger forwards that were just getting beat on. And that's what you get with Eric Branson. You get a guy that is going to stand up for your teammates no matter what. And from all accounts here in Anaheim, he was a good player, but an even better teammate. And someone that was apparently a very good presence in the locker room. So that's one thing that you're getting from Eric Branson is one of those intangibles of being a good guy off the ice, but really helping out the younger core. And as it turned out, he helped out some of the young defensemen 
that were coming up from San Diego. He was helping guys like Brendan Gooley. Uh, he was starting to kind of give him some tips here and there before COVID hits. So it was great to hear those little bits and pieces of stories here and there. So what was kind of the pulse on uh, Ducks fans on Twitter or through uh, friends or what was the reaction on your podcast when you found out that Gabranz was getting traded? He had another year on his deal. It sounds like from what you said, seemed like a guy, a good guy to keep around for this young team. And he played pretty decent. What was it? Were you surprised when he got traded? I was a little bit surprised. I knew that the Ducks were going to get rid of Michael Delzato. That's one guy I knew was going to be gone. And I'd heard rumblings that there was going to be some trades to get rid of cap space. I thought maybe Danton Heinen might get traded. I thought that maybe one of those other high-paid guys might get traded. And I had Gud Branson on that list, to which some friends and some Ducks Twitter really sad about that when I mentioned Gud Branson because I said, okay, David Backus, he's making four and a half. That's a lot. Denton Heinen is making three. Guddy was making four million next year. So the fact that I mentioned his name some Ducks fans were a little sad about that. They didn't want to see him go. But as soon as the trade happened, the first reaction was, oh no, the despair. Why did you have to get rid of him? Then it settled in. The second reaction was, wait a minute. We just cleared $4 million worth of cap space. There's a move coming. We don't know what, but something's happening. And as it turned out, they got one very fan favorite player back in Derek Grant. Or as we like to call him around here, the hashtag Elite 1C. I don't care what anyone else in the league says. He's the Elite 1C. Hey, you know who drafted him, eh, Jason? I know absolutely who drafted him. So I, I applaud that. Good <laughs> stuff. Much. Yeah, Ottawa, great drafted team. Hey, Anaheim had a great draft, too. Last question before we get you out of here, Jason. Uh, we noticed that while uh, Gabranson was in Anaheim, he played a lot with Cam Fowler. How does Gabranson's game on the defensive end complement an offensive defenseman like Fowler? It helps a lot on that second line. You saw Fowler kind of go between one and two line. Uh, the way that Goodbranson helped was making the right pass. He's not the fastest skater, but he's very effective at finding the open guy. He, he matched up really well with Henrique out there, with Raquel out there. And you started to see Goodbranson try to get some good assists, some good passing out there. So that was his game on the offensive end. Something else that I liked from him was if you had guys pinching towards the left side, you would have someone like Goodbranson kind of move forward and switch positions. Uh, he was very good at positioning himself at the right place. So maybe that speaks with hockey IQ, which he has a very good hockey IQ. I feel like that's not talked about enough anywhere at all. He's a very smart player, and I think he'll do very well in Ottawa. I thought it was really interesting that Jason Hernandez brought up that story with Garnet Hathaway, and it made me do some digging. So Erica Branson, he had 91 penalty minutes in 44 games with the Anaheim Ducks. On the surface, you're like, man, this guy takes a lot of penalties. Like, are they, is he going to leave us shorthanded a bunch? And then you do some digging. So in that first game where Garnet Hathaway literally spat on him, Branson got himself 12 penalty minutes. Then in their rematch, he got the instigator, of course. So that's 17 penalty minutes in that game. Then you look even deeper, and there was a really crazy game between Anaheim and Winnipeg in between those two where Gabranson had 29 penalty minutes in that game. And where did that stem from? Anthony Botetto laid a questionable hit on Gabranson's teammate, and he was the first guy to step in there. 
got the instigator, but also kicked the crap out of Batetto. Not once, but then went at him again later in the game. So I think that her, Jason did a great job of explaining just what kind of teammate Ottawa has now in Erica Branson. Look, I, I hate to harp on it again, but the analytics community, like there's there's no stat, there's no like a cumulative stat for that. Like that's such a big deal. Dorian even said it when they brought in Gabranson. He said uh, toughness, grit, blah, blah, blah. But most importantly, he's going to bring leadership to this team. And that's what leaders do. They see a situation and they say, look, that wasn't right. You, you just spat on, on one of my players or did he spit on him? Who got spat on? On him. Yeah, you just spat on me. That's not going to fly here in Anaheim with the Ducks. And it's not going to fly in Ottawa with the Senators. And questionable hits on young, talented players? Nuh-uh. Don't try it. Erica Branson, big boy, he's here to stop that and try to help these prospects play with some confidence that they're not going to get their heads taken off and they're not going to get bullied night in and night out. I want to end this show with a hot take, Pills. Are you ready? So ready. Erica Branson is going to wear an A this season for the Ottawa Senators. I'd be shocked if he's not a part of their leadership group. Yeah, I could see it. The only thing uh, changing my mind on that is I see DJ Smith giving one of his boys an A. Either Josh Brown or Watson is going to get one of those A's. So Shabbat for sure will wear an A. Is Brady getting a full-time A this year as well? You got to think so. And then that leaves one spot left. Is it Connor Brown if he gets a nice big deal inked? Is it Erica Branson? You mentioned his uh, DJ's boys, maybe Josh Brown. But I'm looking at experience. And you, you saw that DJ went that route with Ron Hainsey last year. Like, oh, could it be Nikita Zaitsev? But, I mean, <laughs> lot, lots of time between now and when that's going to be announced. But I loved when he was on 1200, when he spoke about he is feeling physically better than he has in his entire career from all the bumps and bruises. you look at his game log year by year. And there's so many times where he doesn't play the full season due to injury. So he took some serious time off right after the pause. He says he's as healthy as ever. So I'm honestly so excited to watch this guy get back onto the ice and see what he can bring. Not only at five on five, but on the penalty kill as well. Yeah, and I think I'm warming up to the idea that he could be a decent defensive partner for Thomas Shabbat. Like Jason said, he played over 20 minutes a night, sometimes 24, 25 minutes in Anaheim when they were dealing with injuries. So this is a guy that can carry that load. And if we're looking down the right side and we're asking ourselves, who do we want playing 25 minutes? I think pretty quickly you can cross off a lot of names and you end up with Eric Branson as your top choice. Yeah, he averaged just over 20 minutes a game this season with Anaheim in 44 games, including 25 on a couple occasions. So he can munch minutes, and we are going to be excited to get back because Sens players are playing all across the globe. There's injury updates, and we went so want to send our best wishes to Timmy Stutzla. For Brandon Pillar, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.